You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Hey, welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Karen Gibis along with Father Brian Christensen, and we are broadcasting live from Our Lady of Perpetual Help in beautiful Black Hills of South Dakota, enjoying our first Friday of Lent. Um, I, I, for one, am really motivated to have a good Lent this year. I, uh, last year was the Lentiest Lent ever. Yes. Last year, it seemed like, our, in a way, our Lent got stolen, our Easter got stolen, things yeah. got stolen, but uh, we're going to take it back. I, I think we should have an Easterly Lent. Easterly Lent. Instead of a Lenty Lent. <laughs> we anticipate the joys of spring and the blessings of Easter and not the drudgery of Lent. For sure, but we're going to buckle down. We're going to get into yep. prayer fasting and uh, and almsgiving. almsgiving, getting ready for getting ready for resurrection. So yes, we must prepare. In the wisdom, the church has its ways. She is so wise. So well, we're uh, coming back here at Real Presence Live, and we have a special guest. We have uh, Bishop Peter Mewich of the Diocese of Rapid City. Welcome to the show, Bishop. Thank you. Yeah, nice to be with you. Yeah, last night we were together, as you were mentioning off-air, uh, for Mercy Night here at the Cathedral. Um, and we just had a really beautiful experience of confessions, prayer, intercessory prayer, adoration, uh, for several hours last night, and it was a great joy. It sure was, yeah. And I can report that um, Catholics in Rapid City are not afraid of going to confession to their bishop. <laughs> but actually, later in the evening, after after them going to confession, many came to tell me that they had waited sixty-seven years or sixty years to go see their bishop for confession. So, uh, yeah, you're the long for hope. Who knew? Who knew? Yeah, yeah. It was like, wow, I'm I'm more popular than I thought. You know. <laughs> well, it's good to be the successor of the apostles. Um, Coming up this Sunday, the first Sunday in Lent, um, in many dioceses across the world, uh, but also here at the cathedral, we're celebrating um, the rite of election. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about the rite of election? Sure, yeah, it's a very important moment um, in the process of um, preparing and then um, accepting candidates to enter uh, the Catholic Church through the sacraments of initiation of baptism, um, confirmation, and the Eucharist. Um, it's a big step for them. It's, it's a very formal ceremony at our cathedral held within the celebration of Sunday Mass, Sunday afternoon, where they, um, they come with their um, sponsors and pastors, and, and uh, they're declared that they're ready to take this final preparation, uh, which happens during the season of Lent, and that um, the bishop recognizes them and says, yes, you are the elect. You will enter the church at Easter time. You're in your final stage now. Yeah, so the who who do you anticipate will be at the cathedral uh, this coming Sunday? Just parishioners at the cathedral or more? Um, we have um, parishioners or soon-to-be parishioners from, you know, several parishes in the diocese. Um, because we're so large geographically, you know, some of the outlying parishes and some of the faraway um, areas of the diocese won't be in. But we have people from um, not only the Rapid City area, but into the Black Hills, out to um, Fort Pier, um, next to the Missouri River, and um, some other places in between. So it's an occasion for, you know, many, uh, really your whole flock, to come together, um, those who are entering into the church, to, to really meet the bishop also as well. 
Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, they come from a distance, and um, you know, they come to the cathedral, the Mother Church of the Diocese, to see their bishop and and to be enrolled as the elect. And um, you know, there's two different groups too that will be part of what we do on Sunday afternoon: the catechumens, which are the non-baptized, so they haven't experienced um, the grace of baptism yet, and then others that were baptized and grew up in other Christian churches. Um, that are seeking full communion with the Church, and they're called candidates for full communion. So we have those two groups assembling, and um, their priests and sponsors come with them, and it's a big moment. You know, um, I was used to hosting this as rector of the cathedral in Duluth, you know, and, and seeing Bishop Serba conduct the rite of election, and now, as a brand new bishop, I get to do it myself for the first time. Yeah, which is great. No, no, that's great. It is great. Um, could you talk for some of our listeners across this uh, Real Presence Radio uh, um, audience uh, just a little bit about the the rite of Christian initi- initiation (RCIA)? We hear a lot about it. Um, who's it for, and 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 how does the Church bring people into this relationship with Christ? At, at, you know, uh, throughout the year and to this point where they're at the rite of election this Sunday moving towards the sacraments at Easter. Sure, yeah. People have their moments of conversion, you know, and grace moments at various times during the year, and I, I think our parish staffs and our priests are good about um, receiving them and caring for them, um, but we have a formal process. It usually starts in the fall in most parishes, and then uh, is completed at the Easter vigil when these individuals who have been preparing over a long period of time um, are um, welcomed into the Church through the sacraments of initiation. So um, they might have been, um, you know, preparing for even a couple years or more. It depends on mm-hmm. the situation. Um, oftentimes people um, start the formal classes in the fall, but uh, we have various approaches, I'm sure, in the diocese where we, we don't say, well, you know, um, come back in September of 2021. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. I and I know from my experience, and perhaps from your years as a pastor, that people will start the RCA process and go through it, and then come up with some challenges or struggles or whatever it might be, and then um, take a step back. I mean, I re- recall one uh, woman, a mom. Uh, wife uh, entering into the church and then after a while she just said you know I can't go any further and it was coming up to the right of election and then um, the next year she started again and then she said yeah I'm not quite ready yet and then finally year three she said father uh, I'm ready I'm ready but it took her that time of of prayer time of um, study a time of being around the community the Catholic community for a while um, Mm -hmm. and then finally saying yeah no I want it I want what they have I want what they have and and that's um you know, RCIA, or the Rite of Christian Initiation of Adults, is really set up to help people discern and take the time they need. You know, it comes all the way, you know, from the 4th century when the Emperor Constantine, you know, became a believer in Christ, and, um, and you know, as is the case with people all over the world through different generations, when the leader is interested in something, a lot of other people say, oh, well, maybe I should be interested in that, too. And the Church had a challenge. We had all these people wanting to come into the Church, and we wanted to make sure that they were going through a sincere conversion process. And so this catechumenate um, um, way of preparing people was born in the Church in about the 4th century, and that's been reclaimed after Vatican II, and and, uh, we, we use the beauty and the graces of that approach, you know, today. Yeah, you know, there's this very, I would say, multi-dimensional. Like, 
One is being brought into the, this community of believers, right? There's a team at the parishes that welcome them. There's, there's prayer. There's instruction. Um, but there's also these liturgical aspects of that. And I think, can you imagine if you haven't ever been to the cathedral for some of these men and women, um, they're going to walk into the biggest church in western South Dakota <laughs> for the very first time uh, to meet the, the chief shepherd of our diocese. It seems pretty intimidating to invite these newbies, if you will, right. these newcomers into such an awe-inspiring any words of comfort or any words of encouragement that you have for them? <laughs> yeah, it's just a big building, you know. I mean, we do like it. It's beautiful, but, but uh, don't let the formality of the architecture, you know, um, be a problem for you. It, it's really meant to house and to hold our our, uh, our flock, our, our, our local church, when we can gather together with the bishop. So, so it's a little unusual in that way. And, of course, there's a really big church that I, or a chair that I sit in called the Cathedral. Um which is at the seat of authority of the local bishop. So you'll be able to see where, where I sit. Nobody else sits up there. So and yeah. it's got my coat of arms over it. And so it's a, yeah, it's a formal building, but, but it's also a, a beautiful structure with many, you know, um, artistic um, uh, treasures to, to discover. And, um, and um, you know, it, it uh, might be a little formal when you first come in, but uh, my experience here for seven months, the people of the cathedral are, are very warm and welcoming. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I just I always think uh, of the people that come in here for the very first time, especially in these circumstances. I also think of the people that come to the cathedral for the first time for RCIA and they have to get in an elevator and go down into our parish <laughs> hall. And I'm always wondering what they're thinking is they're going to find on the other side when that, when that elevator opens. And as you say, they often find a warm welcome and a, a joyful spirit among the people here. So. Um, Bishop, could you talk a little bit about why the right of election um, is meaningful? Is it an important step for those in the catechumenate moving towards um, baptism and the, and the other sacraments, and also our candidates? The, why is this uh, an important step for them um, in their journey towards uh, full communion? Sure. It, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a formal step in, in the sense that um, they come to the cathedral and there's a ritual involved. Um, it's part of the liturgy of the Church, um, and it marks this solemn occasion when they're declared um, the elect, in the case of the catechumens, that they're ready for this final stage of preparation that will unfold over the rest of Lent, and then they will be initiated into the um, the awesome, you know, um, <laughs> mysteries of the faith, the, the sacraments, and join us in the sacramental life that we share with Christ in the Church. And so... It's a big occasion. You know, they get to stand up in front of the cathedral with their sponsors. They get declared the elect. Their names are enrolled in the book of the elect. And then we do something similar, a little different, uh, with the already baptized who are seeking full communion. But it's just as solemn, and it's part of the same ritual. Yeah, no, great. Um, Appreciate you joining us on the show today. Um, Any final thoughts, especially as we're in this first few days of Lent, any guidance for our listeners who are uh, seeking to uh, seeking to uh, to make this Lent more profitable? Yes, well, you know, um, we're we're sitting in a much different position than we were last year. Of course, you know, um, when 
um, the pandemic sort of took us by surprise and kind of closed down our Lent in, in many ways that we were used to gathering in larger groups, you know, and now we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. So we might not be fully out of the pandemic yet, but there's lots of hope, you know, to resume a more normal life. And, um, and I just would encourage people to, you know, to really seize this opportunity to, to go deeper in their faith, you know, to, to say, okay, Lord, you know, we've been through a challenging period. What have you taught me during this time, you know, and uh, how can I be closer to you? All right. Well, we're going to take a break, Bishop, and we're going to come back. We're going to visit with you a few more minutes after the break. Um, So we look forward to talking. We're here with Bishop Peter Muich on Real Presence Live from Rapid City, South Dakota. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision offers eye exams for the whole family, contact lenses, glasses, and vision therapy services. Our specialized vision therapy program works to improve how the eyes work together as a team. We work with our patients to improve reading difficulties, lazy eyes, eye turns, and focusing problems, which can be detrimental to performance in the classroom and on the job. You can learn more about our mission at Lumen.Vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Do you want to make sure Real Presence Radio continues to receive your support in perpetuity? This can now be accomplished by establishing an individual endowment account in your name with a minimum gift of $10,000. A distribution will be made annually in your name to assure future generations will continue to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the mission of Real Presence Radio. To learn more about establishing an individual endowment for Real Presence Radio, a gift which will last in perpetuity, Please call me, Mike Kidrowski, at 701-290-4503. State tax credits may apply in some states. Let's get started. Real Presence Radio is experiencing rapid growth and has an additional opening in the Rapid City area for a part-time listener relations coordinator. This person will assist with spreading the word about RPR, including help with the live drives, fall banquet, and major gifts. A qualified candidate should demonstrate excellent self-management and time management skills. If you sense a call to serve God in this capacity, please send a cover letter, your resume, and references to Brittany at realpresenceradio.com or call 877-795-0122. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. This is Father Brian Christensen, and I'm here with Karen Gibis on Real Presence Live. And it's great to have you with us listening in uh, this morning as we're in this uh, first few days of the Lenten season leading to uh, the Paschal mystery and the joys of, of the resurrection at Easter. But it's a, it's a campaign as the church describes it in their opening prayer on uh, uh, Ash Wednesday. So it's good that we're all here together. We have a special guest today. Um, we're talking with Bishop Peter Mewitt, uh, Bishop of the Diocese of Rapid City, um, who is uh, in his seventh month here as the shepherd of our, our 
Diocese here in Western South Dakota. Uh, welcome back to the show, Bishop Muich. Thanks. Great to be with you, and uh, my greetings to all the people from Rapid City, the Diocese of Rapid City listening in, and perhaps all the way um, across our listening area. Back I'm sure Duluth, where I came from, maybe somebody's listening there too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's some people back in Duluth. We always have some good good listeners uh, up in that north, loyal uh, listeners in the mm-hmm. North Country there. So, um, no, we were at the break. We were just entering into a discussion about Lent and some guidance and practices, you know. But if we think back a year ago, the Lent that we experienced, Karen was talking about the <laughs> challenges of the long uh, Lent that we've all experienced here across the world. Um, things changed pretty radically uh, within the first week or so of Lent, where many of our parishes were shut down and were adapting to new and different situations. And um, through that time, we've seen the number of people um, at church, you know, decrease for various reasons. Obviously, the pandemic, but even when we opened up churches again, we've still seen quite a decrease in in numbers. Um, you know, uh, people remaining away away from the sacraments. And can you kind of talk to the challenges that the church faces in these days of um, bringing people back to this relationship with the Lord and in the community of believers? Sure. You know, um, I think for some of our um, Protestant brothers and sisters, it was not as big um, a challenge. They're used to the the preached word, and viewing that, you know, using technology for them, um, I think was a fairly easy transition. I'm sure they missed gathering as um, as a a church community, but for us as Catholics, you know, the sacramental life of the church, and especially the Eucharist, is the very heart of our life together. And uh, that can't be done virtually. You know, we can watch from afar if we have to, but that's really no substitute for celebrating and uh, receiving Christ in the Eucharist. Um, you know, he did not come to us virtually. He came to us in flesh and blood, and then left us in a sacramental way, you know, his flesh and blood in the Eucharist. And um, there's just nothing else like that. And you can't, you know, uh, replicate that with technology. You can't do that from afar. Yeah, it seems like that's been a challenge, not only in this past year of helping uh, our people understand um, the reality of God's presence, of Christ's presence in the Eucharist, but it's been a, I mean, maybe a generational kind of challenge to um, teaching, catechizing um, our faithful uh, to to the to the reality of the Eucharist and its its effects in our lives. Can you kind of speak to that a little bit about how we might, you know, pursue that catechesis, that um, teaching? for our, our people? Well, you know, experientially, I hear this a lot in, in um, news reporting and from people, you know, they feel isolated, they feel, um, you know, um, this yearning, you know, for reconnection with people that they love that they haven't been able to be with, you know, can't hug anybody, you know, um, it's just been a really challenging time in that way. Well, same thing with our relationship with the Lord, you know, He's so good to us that He comes to us in tangible ways in the sacraments. And, um, and so, as Catholics, at least as a Catholic bishop, I, I, I yearn to be with the Lord in the Eucharist, you know, to receive Him as food, you know, and drink. Uh, there's just that physical connection that happens through the sacraments is, is really the heart of our Catholic way of life. And, and uh, again, we need to kind of realize that we have a, a real need for that, just like we do for humans you know, connection, we have that same need 
to be connected to the Lord through these outward, these physical signs, and chief among them is the Eucharist. Yeah, inviting uh, people back to experience that connection, that sacramental connection, which is both you know, the visible and the invisible, the whole mystery of the sacramental economy that we enjoy uh, as Christian men and women within the, the life of the Catholic Church, um, is, is, I think, the message that we're trying to say. It's not just you have to come back to Mass, right? It's not this imposition. It's a real invitation to renew our relationship with the Lord in a way that He, de- he desires, right? The Scriptures right. tell us, you know, I, I desire to share this meal with you. I desire yes. to do this. So, yeah, so that whole sense of inviting. Uh, any, any words of wisdom for, for, for that kind of evangelical message, if you will, the invitation to renewing our relationship with Christ? You know, um, I would invite, um, you know, our listeners to, to just take out your Bible, open up to John's Gospel in chapter 6, and read again the things that the Lord says about his body and blood when he's talking about the Eucharist there. You know, my flesh is real food, my blood is real drink. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have my life in you. Uh, those are really important statements of the Lord. Now, when he begins to tell us about the Eucharist, and and um, they're they're bold statements, you know, um, you know that we need to receive the Eucharist in order to really have His life within us. And um, all the catechumens and candidates that are preparing for full communion with the Church are are, are they, they have a deep desire for that, and maybe they can teach us or reteach us, you know, to have that same desire again and not let a virtual. <laughs> A virtual um, participation in the Eucharist from afar be what we settle for. That's that's not enough. Yeah, I think, you know, so many times I hear about the way the government's uh, categorizing essential mm-hmm. businesses and the seeing what are essential workers. And there are so many people are out there on the front lines making our lives um, livable, you know, whether that's from healthcare workers to those who are in grocery stores and, and pharmacies and uh, so many other businesses, but some some seem a little bit less essential than perhaps the Eucharist itself. Uh, I don't know how I would live personally without my access to the Eucharist. Yeah, and for all of you who are healthy enough, you know, if you're going shopping at Walmart or Target or wherever you go, the local grocery store, you know, um, hey, you can come to church now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, no, those are the kind of things. There are people who can't come, but there are obviously right, many of, of us, many yeah. of our many of our brothers and sisters in Christ who who are able to come. Um, Bishop, uh, let's go back. Uh, you were a pastor a year ago, going through all of this with us, um, and then you got the call from uh, from the people nuncio and uh, said you were going to Rapid City, South Dakota, and you became a bishop right in the middle of the pandemic. Um, What's been your experience now? Now that you're, you know, a good six, seven months into uh, your shepherding of this diocese, what's your experiences of of that in the in these really challenging times? For sure. Yeah, it has been harder to um, to meet people, you know, and obviously in large numbers because of um, social distancing requirements and all of that. You know, um, it's very unusual when you're ordained a bishop to. Um, be limited to 20 family members and five priests <laughs> to invite to your own ordination, <laughs> you know, but right, those were the, right. the practices we needed to put in place to, to be safe, you know. Um, but I have to say, since coming to the diocese, I've been, I visited, well, I think about 85% of our parishes now, 
um, for confirmations, Sunday masses, parish visits, and um, been able to get out and meet quite a number of people, and um, and I've been really enjoying that. So I think we're getting to know each other. Maybe it's taking a little longer, you know, than um, it would have in the past, but um, but we're not letting that stop us here in Western South Dakota. And the diocese is a rapid city, and and um, I've been out all over the prairie and in the hills, and and uh, have really enjoyed meeting people. Yeah, as you look out, are there any kind of particular characteristics of the of Western South Dakota, of the people, of the parishes that you've noticed? How would you describe to your friends back in Duluth, here, this is South Dakota, this is my diocese, these are my people? Yeah, one of the first places I went, well, the first confirmation I had was at St. Mary's Star of the Sea in Newell. And, uh, Don't you love the and, name of the parish? Yeah, Don't you yeah, love yeah. the name of the parish? <laughs> I was like, see, because, well, my mission, or my second parish, you know, um, in addition to the cathedral in Duluth, when I was rector there, um, was St. Mary's Star of the Sea, and it's right on the shores of Lake Superior. And, yeah, well, you know, that makes that's sense. A, it's, it's a maritime <laughs> reference, you know, that the, the Blessed Mother is our, our star that we can navigate by. And so I was like, why is this parish in Newell in the midst of the prairie named St. Mary's Star of the Sea. And so I asked people during the confirmation, and one of the older persons came up afterwards and said, because when they first came here, there were absolutely no trees. It was just like a sea of grass. Mm. And so they, that word sea kind of came to mind, and they liked the Blessed Mother, so they decided they were St. Mary's Star of the Sea. So There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some interesting twists and turns with names and history and culture here you know it's i'm not used to the plains i'm getting used to them you know in the wide open skies i'm used to forests and lakes and all of that um so it's it's getting to know a different topography but the people are salt of the earth you know there's i don't know there's a big that there's a big difference between here in duluth maybe more cowboy hats and boots you know here (laughs) but uh, (laughs) and and a warmer winter um but um the people have just they seem like the same kind of salt of the earth people that I knew in Duluth. So. No, that's great. That's great. Um, one of the things, I guess, you like a, a pastor coming to a new parish, you try and get the lay of the land uh, and see what's going mm-hmm. on, and you know, pray with those things, meet the people, see what's going on um, before any kind of big pastoral initiatives. I guess uh, before you launch into something, see, understand, and listen to the people and what's going on, and how how, how that how that how that's the process going for you. And these, these uh, very well, you know, I'm, I'm, I really kind of made it a, you know, um, a priority to, to, you know, we take the first year just to kind of get to know people, you know, um, and, um, and to discern based on interacting with the people in the diocese what, what we need to do and where we need to go. You know, um, as I said, I think in an interview early on, when someone said, well, what's my big vision and plan? And, well, my vision and plan is, is to discern what God wants me to do. <laughs> so, Amen. you know, um, coming out with a big construct of a plan that I think is the right thing too soon, um, I think would be unwise. I think we need to discern that together. So, Well, thank you very much for joining us this morning, Bishop Mewich on Real Presence Radio. Uh, and uh, we're going to come back after the break. Yeah, we're going to uh, talk to Anna Robbins about stepping out in her faith and just see, you know, get her faith journey and hear about how now we step from from uh, 
a more pastoral interview into a how the faith is lived out in practical everyday life. So stay with us here on Real Presence Live. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 